Welcome, everybody. My name is Ken Seaton, co-founder of Athletes Touch with Justin Blaine. Welcome to the Tower of Power podcast that we've got coming at you right now. We're an exclusive community helping former pro and college athletes in the business world get ready to rocket fuel your ship, professionally speaking. I'm here. Justin, go ahead and take it away. If you like great stories, sports, and success, you're in the right place. Buckle up and join us for a great ride. Please get ready to meet Mr. Andy Freed, an unbelievable speaker, the CEO and founder of Virtual Inc., amazing firm that provides professional services and consortium for technology. He also was a legendary sports coach at Harvard for water polo, and he now is the head of the Harvard Club as well, Mr. Andy Freed. Andy, uh, kind of right out of the gates, uh, you know, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, why don't you just give us a little bit of your background, uh, just kind of where you came from, stuff like that, and then we'll kind of get into some more particular questions. Sure. Um, I grew up in New York. Uh, strangely enough, got into playing water polo when I was there, uh, which was, uh, you know, a little unusual, but just there was a guy out there that uh, recruited the swimmers that were big and said, I'm going to teach you, uh, teach you this new sport. Uh, so wound up playing at Harvard, came out of there for a while, and what I wanted to do coming out of college was politics. And I did that for a few years, working on a few different campaigns, working on a senior staff on a presidential back in 92, uh, ran a couple of campaigns, uh, wound up running a guy's campaign by the name of Angus King when he ran for governor of Maine. You know, today he's the uh, senator from Maine uh, as an independent. But somewhere along the way, I, I discovered that Harvard wants their student loan money back um, and that uh, running campaigns is not a really good way to do that. Uh, so started to diverge from that, got into tech, you know, doing a little political work for some associations, first uh, the Mass HMO Association and the Hospital Association, and then uh, um, you know, wound up uh, partnering with somebody to start virtual in uh, 2000, and I've uh, been growing it ever since then, and that's in the you know, technology space. So it's been a, been, been a fun ride. Along the way, some, somewhere in there, I also uh, had a chance to be a head coach uh, while I was uh, going back for my grad degree at Harvard. Uh, I got to be the head water polo coach for a couple of years, which uh, I'll say was a very interesting experience um, standing on the sidelines and watching the game unfold and not being able to do as much about it as I wanted to. So I learned more about leadership in those two years coaching than anything else I got to do. And that's beautiful. I'd love to kind of jump right in there. Um, from the standpoint of coaching, what, what were the lessons that you learned that you've now applied in, in your business career? And, you know, there might be, you know, more than one, of course. Yeah, there's a bunch. I mean, you know, one was have fun. Um, and, you know, I will always remember that, you know, Harvard uh, water polo, when I was a player, we lost to Brown every year. In fact, we lost to Brown every year from 1973 to 1992, uh, my first year coaching. It was a pretty good, pretty good losing streak. <laughs> um, and when we played them the first time when I was a coach, I remember just being really nervous. And I asked the team to come down two hours before the game. As Dan can attest, there is absolutely no earthly reason to ever show up two hours before a water polo game. You know, it, it, there's just, you're going to warm up for half an hour, and that's about it. You don't even have full time. You know, but I just had the team sitting around, had nothing to do, so I made the freshmen sing. Um, and, you know, lo and behold, we, you know, wound up winning. And after that, we sang before every – the freshmen sang before every game. We just had fun. And we were just laughing and singing and, you know, wound up actually, you know, over that year be having our – highest national ranking until the years that Dan Stevens came along as a player. Um, but, you know, having fun was one few other things that came in. One, just understanding just how to coax people to, to, to perform better and recognize that 
Um, you know, that, that, that's a tricky thing to do, and that takes something different for every player. I'll say the last thing is, you know, I do remember my second year coaching cutting the best player on our team because he just, you know, he, he just didn't have the right attitude and he wasn't a team player. And I've learned that in business as well, that every now and then you have to make cuts. Um, and it's a hard thing to do, but I'll tell you, every time I did it on the team, it worked. And every time I've done it in business, it's been the right decision. That's beautiful. And I'll probably circle back to that, that last comment in a minute. I want to talk a little bit about Harvard um, because everybody knows it is an educational institution. Uh, but every time I meet somebody that actually played a sport at Harvard, I, I, I find they're a little different. Tell, tell us a little bit about the sports environment at Harvard. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I was pleased that I you know, uh, had the chance to be the chair, the president and chairman of the varsity club. And, and Harvard has, and that's a club with 23,000 former Harvard athletes, largest intercollegiate program, program in the country. And, you know, surprisingly, you know, many Harvard teams are in the top 20. We've had a few teams that have competed for and won national titles in the past few years. Um, you know, ranging from, you know, you know the, the ones you'd expect of, uh, um, you know, crew and squash to ones that would surprise you of uh, water polo, of basketball flirting with the top 25 a few times in the last few years. Uh, men's hockey, women's hockey, both being great programs. You know, but it's really what, I, what I've liked about it is the idea of, um, you know, athletics being an educational experience and being part of it's what the Greeks believed. You know, the Greeks believed that, you know, athletes were part of rounding somebody out. Um, and I think that's what the Harvard Athletics Program is all about. It's a pursuit of excellence, you know, but it's understanding that you learn as much in athletics as a classroom, that you learn as much on as, you know, and, you know there's a, the Charles River divides the athletics area and the, uh, the, can, the main campus at Harvard. And, uh, you know, and we'll say, you know, you learn as much on our side of the river as the other side of the river. And I think that's really true. That's beautiful. So the Harvard Varsity Club, what, tell us a little bit about that. What, what's sort of the purpose of it and, and, and your sort of role in that as well? Yep. So the Harvard Varsity Club is the group that supports the tradition, uh, traditions and ideals of Harvard Athletics. So it does two things. Certainly there's a fundraising component to running or raising money on behalf of the team and on behalf of the programs. But a big piece of what we do now is career services. Um, I will tell you that one thing that career services programs haven't figured out is that running open houses for students at 4.30 in the afternoon on weekdays. That, you know, if I asked any of the athletes on the, you know, recent athletes on the call, what were you doing at 4.30 on a weekday? Um, you, know, you were in practice. And you know, having all the open houses and information sessions there just leave the athletes out. So we've started our own career service program for that, but also because um, you know, I love what I heard from some folks about how, uh, I, believe it was, I believe it was Jeff that was talking about his experience uh, you know, playing tennis and how hard it was, you know, you know losing, in, losing in the D3 Nationals. You know, athletes are different. And people love to hire athletes you know, out of Harvard for a couple of reasons. You know, one, certainly they're good team players. Um, you know, two, time management. You know, if you've managed to play a D1 sport and go to a, you know, a solid school, that's tough. But the biggest thing is they know how to lose. Um, and right now, a lot of kids get out of school and they'll have gotten straight A's, they'll have done well. Um, and the first time something goes wrong, the first time they, you know, they go to a, you know, they're a litigator and lose a case, the first time they get a bad performance review, they don't get a sale, they go to pieces. Um, you know, nobody goes through four years of D1 sports without having a couple of moments like Jeff did and understanding that you bounce back a couple of days later. Um, and you know, I, th I think that you know, it's a really valuable lesson that you know, we try to 
help athletes and part to the future employers. Excellent. So when you went back in, it sounds like you got your, your postgraduate uh, degree at, at Harvard. What was it in and what, were, what was your purpose at that time? Yeah, you know, at, at that time, I had just come off running. I, I, I was, had just come off uh, Paul Songus's campaign for president, a little uh, trivia question for folks. Folks have to remember who ran for president in 92 against Clinton in uh, the Democratic primaries. And we had won 16 states, but then we lost. Um, and you know, then I ran a congressional that also didn't have a happy ending. So I went back to, the, to Harvard to go to the Kennedy School and pick up my master's in public policy. And while I was there, I was coaching water polo. And that's when I also met Angus and started running his campaign for governor. So I was a pretty busy guy right then. Um, and, uh, you know, but, uh, picked that up and then, uh, started doing some other things with my career as well. Awesome. And then how did you get, uh, into virtual Inc and what does virtual Inc do? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, because even my mom doesn't know, um, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, even despite trying to explain it a couple of times, it just never really works out. Um, you know, so I, I, I left, you know, I was doing campaign work, as I said, until I realized that it wasn't the way to pay the bills. Um, and that I could also, somebody gave me great advice, which is don't make your hobby your job. And to this day, I can still walk into a campaign and still do and help out. And I'm able to really you know, drive strategy and do what I want to do, but it's, it's not my, it's not my vocation. It's something I do as an advocation. Um, so I started work doing political work for a couple of different associations, but along the way I got kind of geeky in 96 when the internet first came along, I thought there's something to this thing and started doing things with lobbying and advocacy that hadn't been done on the internet before. And some of them still haven't been done, which kind of surprises me. Um, you know, no one's kind of replicated them. Uh, so I wound up with an association where I started out as their head of lobbying and left as their CIO. And then I met somebody in 2000 and we started this company called Virtual. And the primary thing we do is uh, we run technology standards groups. So when Multiple companies are trying to get together to make something interoperable or create a standard, uh, big tech companies. We run the back office operations on that. So if you've used that, if you use something like Apple Pay, you know, that runs on a technology called NFC. Um, if you're holding your cell phone up to a Coke machine and your, the cell phone is saying, you know, my last name is Stevens and the Coke machine is saying expiration date, you don't get a Coke. Um, and if the phone is in 128 bit encryption and the Coke machine's in, you know, in, uh, 256-bit encryption, you don't get a Coke. So you need to create something that's gonna work across the ecosystem. So we, you know, what we do is we'll create a nonprofit. Um, lots of companies will join that and that, that organization will then promulgate the standard that everyone will follow. So we do that for right now about 90 organizations worldwide. Wow, that's, that's impressive. So how much, uh, how much time do you spend on that? I mean, is that sort of the, the, the main thing that you work on or? Yeah, I mean, that, 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 that is certainly, you know, there's my day job, um, but I certainly do a lot of other things as well. I sit on a few other boards, uh, as you can see, uh, you know, and, and Dan sent around on the chat my uh, little hobby of making out of office messages. That's what that uh, strange video was at the beginning. I had the idea of uh, um, having a little bit more fun with my out of office message every year. So those have now become uh, full length. Well, not, they've become pretty big you know, productions of films. Um, that uh, you know, last year's got featured on NPR and wound up getting you know, tens of thousands of views, which was kind of funny. Um, but uh, because I discovered, well, I guess it was two years ago, the one you were showing was when we, I was able to barter my way to get the screen used car from Back to the Future, which was a lot of fun. 
but uh, you know, the short answer is I'm, I'm always doing a lot of different things. So I, I, you know, we've got 90 clients that I'm spending a lot of time with. I'm spending a lot of time with uh, the different boards that I'm on. You know, right now during this pandemic, I sit on a hospital board. That's been kind of crazy. Um, and a few other boards that I sit on have been pretty busy right now. But you know, do whatever I can to try to make my mark on the world. You mentioned, Andy, you know, about losses and, and how great sports is for losses. What was your biggest loss in sports? Uh, we had a few. Uh, I will say, you know, there were a few when I was playing, certainly. I mentioned that we lost to Brown, um, you know, for 20 years in a row, but we came close many times. And there was only one time that we were right up at the end and, uh, you know, had them by a goal with 30 seconds to go. And we didn't finish it off. And that taught us that you got to finish it off. I still have uh, regrets of a league championship you know, game that I coached in uh, 1993. I still feel like I should, you know, I, I called the timeout and I should have run a different play after it uh, and made a substitution. I still think about those things. Um, but I also know that, you know, we, we, you know, just like Jeff, we bounced back from them, um, you know, and, and learned from them and, you know, and, and kept going. And certainly along the way, yeah, I mean, um, when I worked for Senator Sangas in 1992, we won the New Hampshire primary. I walked into the stage to get to the podium that I won the New Hampshire primary. That's pretty good. Nobody had won New Hampshire and not won the presidency, or very few folks had. Um, and then you know, a month later, I'm walking to the podium when he drops out. I mean, you, know, you have to be able to you know, you come, come back from that and move on. Welcome to the intermission. Kit, who's this group for? Is it for Super Bowl champs? Shaq. How about cross-country skiers? Shaq. How about Olympic synchronized swimmers? Triple Shaq. So it sounds like anybody who has an athlete's mindset or mentality could qualify here. Quadruple Shaq, Justin. This group is a rocket fuel powered community for former athletes to use their state of mind to succeed in the sport of business. Now, now take it to the business world. What, what was sort of one of the biggest hurdles or, or, or greatest lessons that you learned from a challenge or a loss that happened? Yeah, I think the, we hung out our, you know, we kind of started the company in, my partner started in late 99. I joined him in 2000. And 90, for those that remember, and there's a lot of folks on the phone who are old enough to remember, 99 and 2000 were great years. Uh, it was, uh, you know, take all the time you want, spend, you know, money is no object. Uh, we just got money from a venture capital firm. You know, then 2001 hit, um, and yeah, we were squarely based in the dot-com tech sector. We had, at the time, we had actually had, a, had two companies. We had the company that I was running, which was doing the association work. We also had a high-tech PR firm. We had 24 companies that were clients of our high-tech PR firm. All 24 companies went Chapter 11 in the first six months of uh, 2001. Um, and it wasn't that we lost them as clients. They just stopped being companies. Um, you know, so we learned, I, I, I will say that period of 2001, which was brutal um, in every way, you know, taught me a ton for my career. And it's a lot of the lessons that I've been drawn upon for the last three months of, you know, getting ourselves through this pandemic. And, you know, we've been lucky that, uh, you know, we're only down about seven, eight percent during this. Um, and that, uh, you know, I'm amazed at things that like uh, I've been, um, you know, this would uh, appeal to a couple of folks I heard on the call to do HR work. You know, we measure employee engagement. Our employee engagement is actually up and higher than it's ever been. You know, so, you know, but all that comes back to the lessons we learned in that one. Right, right on. 
they they say you know you mentioned about letting go of people right in business or, or on your teams you know hire slow fire fast what's the philosophy around that well you you you, you, you stole it with the hire slow fire fast it's a couple of things one on the um, you know, Howard Putnam from Southwest Airlines once said, um, you know, hire the attitude, teach them the skills. And, you know, we're always looking for people. No, nobody is out there saying, I've spent my entire life hoping to work for a group that does technology standards work. Um, you know, if they're saying that, they're lying. Um, you know, so it's hiring people that are good. So the best hire I've had in the last, um, you know, five years, I hired a woman a few years ago. Her mother-in-law told me, um, yeah, because her, I used to work with her mother-in-law. So I was having lunch with her and said, can you look at my daughter-in-law's resume? She's unemployable. Hey, that's a big statement. So I took a look at her resume. And I said, if, if she's as good as she looks on this resume, I'll hire her tomorrow. And when I looked at, when I looked at her resume, she was this, the manager of Santa Land at Macy's Herald Square, um, you know, the biggest apartment store in the world. She managed Santa Land. Like that, that's like the, that's like the Beirut of customer service. I mean, that's gotta be just like the, there's nothing you can throw at this woman she can't <laughs> handle. And it's funny, she's now working a group with a group called uh, ION. ION is um, creating 6G telephone standards. So kind of the group that's beyond 5G, um, works with a bunch of very, very big Japanese companies and there's nothing that they can throw at her that she can't handle. So that's been great. On the flip side, on the fire fast, it's, yeah, I mean, I'll say, um, you know, it's something we have to keep reminding ourselves of, of the, you know, the times that, some, that, that we're, you know, that we're ready to go on somebody. So often you just let that go too long. And, uh, you know, there hasn't been a time in my career where I've said, oh, we, we acted too fast on that. You know, it's always been, I should have done that six weeks ago. Um, and, um, yeah, that's something which I will say, among my management team, we all pledge to remind each other all the time. <laughs> That's so true. Greatest success story for you when you're handling and president of the uh, Friends of Water Polo Club at Harvard? From the water polo side? Yeah. Um, you know, water polo a couple of years ago, and you know, Dan was part of the team, went to the final four for the NCAAs. And, um, you know, that's a team that, um, you know, there was a time when we were lucky to get four wins. Um, and um, a few years ago, and I you know, hate to say this, I know there's a Cal rower out there, um, but uh, we knocked off Cal. Um, probably the biggest upset in, the, in, water, in collegiate water polo history. Wow. Um, you know, so, you know, because that's just a, a and, and that, by comparison, when I was a freshman, uh, we played Stanford, and it was Harvard's 350th anniversary, and at the pregame handshake, their captain told our captain, in celebration of Harvard's 350th, we're going to try to beat you guys 35 to nothing today. Um, and uh, we held them to 29 to one, um, you know, in a game that was not as close as the scoreboard appeared. Um, and, um, you know, to go to that, to, you know, years later, be helping a team that's beating Cal. But I'll also say the other piece of it is, you know, they're all good kids. Um, you know, even Dan. Um, but that we've been able to do it and, um, you know, keep the character of the team up and keep kids who are, you know, impressive folks who are you know, really a great set of men and women uh, has been great for us. Couple of major accomplishments you had at Harvard Varsity Club as the president. If you, uh, the biggest thing we've done is we've tried to make it more bicoastal. You know, hopefully, you know, and I, 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 I'm sorry this year we had to cancel our LA golf tournament and our LA events, but we've really been trying to. Harvard's got, you know, now um, you know California 
is the biggest feeder to Harvard. Um, you know, there was a time that, you know, when, you know, again, judging by a lot of the faces on this call, you know, you go to the East Coast schools and like the Harvard football team was made up of a bunch of kids from Massachusetts and Pennsylvania. That's what it was when I was there. Um, you know, now, um, you know, California is the biggest feeder to the, you know, feeder, you know, to, you know, to Harvard. So we're trying to do more and more in California. Um, we've been doing more events out there. So one of the things I was most pleased with is that we've been able to really make the varsity club, you know, you know, much more of a national organization so that uh, folks on the West Coast can have a handle on what's going on. Right on. I want to open it up right now. Uh, Dan, do you have any questions for Andy? Anybody else? Yeah, I was thinking that, I mean, you, you talked a little bit about how coaching gave you some of the, the biggest uh, pieces of advice for you when you became an executive. And you talked a little bit about the hire uh, and fire. Tell us a little bit more about that, though. How did that directly translate? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a few things. Um, you know, one, you know, coaching, you're, you, you want to be goals focused. And, you know, good athletes are focused on goals and focused on breaking things down. Um, you know, if you think about how you prepare for any big game, it's always, you know, everyone's got their role. You know, it's the Bill Belichick, do your job. Um, you know, you know that, and that mindset has really, you know, handled, you know, really translates very well to the business community as well. Of, you know, how do you break something down? How do you tell the person at the reception desk, do your job, you know, greet people right? You know, I would always say that the, you know, the person at reception desk, you know, her, her title is manager of first impressions. Um, you know, because we can do whatever we want to try to recruit new, new uh, clients and you know, new staff to our company. But if she's sitting out there saying, I hate it here, we're screwed. Um, you know, there's no way we can overcome it. You know, so it's understanding how everybody's got a role, everybody's got a job, um, and how you, you know, you're not going to get to the big win right away. You celebrate the little wins as you, you as you're getting there. So that's the, you know, that, that's the coaching mindset that, uh, you know, you want to bring to every day. Absolutely. Howard. Yeah. So I know that you've had some influence with the Harvard administration. We have obviously a number of Harvard people, some SC people, a couple of other people that, uh, when colleges weren't in the news for coronavirus, a number of colleges were in the news for certain on and even off campus uh, issues that administrations have needed to be involved with. Um, how do you work with some of the on campus Harvard administration to improve the lives of some of the students now? Can you give us an under the hood look? Um, I think that one, I'll say that across, you know, the, um, across the spectrum and I've had the opportunity to work with you know folks in the Pac-12 I had the folks that worked to work with folks um, you know in the Ivy League all over the place you know it's certainly it's complicated um, and it's more complicated than it used to be in that you know that you know so there, there's so many things that that worry and drive different people you know but a lot of it's also working with um, the administration to remind them that kids are kids and they're going to do certain things whether you want them to or not um, so how do we give them the opportunity to do it in an environment that's safe and an environment that just makes sense? Um, I've got a daughter at Harvard now. I've got another daughter at Clemson. Um, you know, I, you know, I, you know, one, one has now turned 21. Um, I'm pretty confident that when she turned 21, that was not the first drink she ever took. Um, and, you know, I'm pretty confident that, you know, when my, um, you know, youngest was watching Clemson win the national title, um, I, think that there was a there was some pretty good times to be had you know, had with that 
you know, so it's helping the administrators understand that also this is about creating a safe environment for kids. That you know, if, if you crack down too much, what's going to start to happen at schools like Harvard and schools are in the city, kids are going to leave campus and go into the city. And that doesn't have a happy ending. Um, you know, you'll get all those kids back. Um, you know, so you know, it's making sure that you create some things that you know, just creates the right balance. So, you know, it's a lot of the conversations that are happening on campuses these days of, of how do you do that. I think that there are some campuses that do that really well. Stanford's done a great job of that. You know, Stanford has some great policies of, you know, what happens in the kid's dorm room is private. You know, just leave the door open so we know that you're alive in there. Um, and, you know, I think things like that are, you know, really helpful developments. Andy, what's the most recent greatest business book you've read and, and why? You know, a book I, I, I'm embarrassed I hadn't read until recently was I read John Wooden's uh, memoir. Um, you know, just Wooden. Uh, loved it. Um, you know, and I will say as an East Coast kid that didn't grow up, uh, you know, growing up in New York, like this college hoops never really mattered to me um, because we never really had a solid program. You know, so John Wooden is kind of an abstraction. Um, so that book was fantastic. And I would, would say that, you know, you can't live in LA and not read it. Um, you know, so, you know, that, that, that'd probably be the number one I'd go with for this group. I, I love it. I love it. Well, this, this has been great, Andy. We really appreciate, uh, you coming. Thanks for having me. Some time. We know it's late probably where you're at. So thank you again. Another great story in the books. Who's inspired with me? Kent, where do people go from here? God, Justin, I'm so glad you asked me that question. Everybody today, we're so excited to have you on this show. If you're interested in our Rocket Fuel Accelerator, if you'd like to join membership at Athletes Touch, go to our awesome website at www.athletestouch.co. And we'll see you soon. If you want to look us up on our social handles, LinkedIn and Twitter, Athletes Touch, at Athletes Touch. Thanks, guys.